a member of the DATC Media Family. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me for this week of Drop Among This is Drop Among This Crowd. I hope that you're able to check out the, the last and community fresh of improvisational from progressive two weeks rock ago. Humphreys where we chatted about the Each last episode shows a summer schedule of insightful show recaps, interviews with members of Team 10. UM, there's as well as musicians in the show notes who have been inspired by the band. That. Oh, listen. This is your place for the latest news This week on the show, the world we're going to start our Uncle 9 on what's going on. The conversation with the next show. Chief Technology Officer Sarah for Umphreys McGee. Thanks for joining Adam me. Adam Scheiberg. Are you prepared for Very what comes excited next? to start talking about all things Umble. I have been in extreme prep mode for this year's upcoming two nights. I've been listening to all of the Umbles. I'm just about done with Umble 6. So this week coming up and leading up to when I leave, I'm going to do the last two. So just lots and lots of consuming all of the Umble things. The Umble coverage for the podcast is going to span a couple of weeks Kicking off this week, as I mentioned, then next week, I will be welcoming Umphrey's WOW Show co-host, Jimmy Knowledge, to the show, and we're going to talk all about raw stewage. Um, If you're on Twitter, maybe you have seen the Umphrey's WOW Show post that he's been doing a top 20, Um, so we're going to get into that and, you know, what we're excited about coming up this year and a whole bunch of stuff. The show will take a week off on November 15th, and then we'll be back on November 22nd for full coverage of everything that goes down during Umble 9. There will also be a bunch of coverage and photos in the forthcoming fall edition of Crooked Conversations. Details on that will be coming much later, um, but the media company will have a photographer. Uh, James Moran doing photos both nights. So I'm very excited for all of the awesome shots that I know he's going to get. And speaking of Umbull 9 coverage, I am very excited to announce that DATC Media will be embarking on something that I've never done before <laughs> hosting an analysis panel featuring myself. Josh from Umfreaks Anonymous and this week's guest, Adam, before the show each night and then after set two, we're going to talk about Umble's past, what we are anticipating for the evening, highlights, and a bunch more. There's even the potential of a special guest popping on to offer some personal game time insight, so... Make sure you tune into the stream a little early to check that out. I am beyond excited to do this and embark on this brand new venture for the media company and bring you guys watching from home even more in-depth coverage. It's going to be so awesome. So it's just think like when you're watching a football game and they have the panel beforehand and at halftime talking about different topics, players, things. Um, Yeah, it's going to be like that. So I'm very excited. 
I may pop onto Instagram Live or YouTube um, and do some kind of recap thing after night two. Not totally sure, but make sure you're following the show on Instagram and you're subscribed to the YouTube page just in case. Also, there's just going to be all sorts of coverage on Instagram throughout the weekend anyways. That's my favorite social media outlet. So make sure you're following Dropped Among This Crowd on Instagram and then DATC Media on YouTube. If you're interested in checking out the coverage from last year's Umble, check out episodes 175 through 180. I interviewed a bunch of ump freaks about their experience of being at Umble last year. In each conversation, we talked about a different set from the two nights, and then I did a full recap episode. So check those out if you want to take a look back in preparation uh, for this year's event. Link in the show notes for those. Anyway, let's get into this week's show, my conversation with Adam Scheinberg. We talk about a whole bunch of topics like his first Umphrey show, favorite songs, favorite moment in UM history, the creation and maintaining of all things Umphrey's, his behind-the-scenes involvement that helps make Umble happen. And of course, we talk a little bit about the upcoming panel at this year's event and a whole bunch more. About time that Adam and I sat down and talked about all things Umphreys. This conversation was an hour, um, but we just yacked so much even before I hit record. I feel like him and I could talk about Umphreys like all night long. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this one. Before we get to that, a quick shout out to Tyler Christ and Mitchell Dunn for their generous monthly contribution to DATC Media. You guys rock. Hey, Rob. Yeah. I was uh, checking out some people that, you know, I listen to and I'm really interested in online and uh, they have these things called Patreon accounts. Mm-hmm. What's that all about? Well, you know, it can be hard to monetize these podcasts and there are expenses that go along with it, you know. Uh, you have to pay engineers, you have to, you know, people's time is money. There's a lot of things that go into making these podcasts. And um, Patreon is a way of using membership to help get money in the hands so that these people can create more podcasts and do more and more. Oh, okay. So our friend Sarah J with the DATC Media Company, we could probably help her out then, huh? Dropped Among This Crowd Media is on Patreon now. And, and the, the, if you donate, you will have access to exclusive membership, membership only stuff like uh, content and uh, there'll be merch items and more and more and you'll be supporting her show Dropped Among This Crowd my other show um, um, the Umphrey's McGee Wow show my show with you Stu on this and uh, the Crooked Conversations magazine and of course you know there's other I, I have other podcasts I want to do um, Sarah did one with Joel about summer camp she's talking to band members about doing other things so it just it it inspires creativity. It's a way of paying back, you know? If you want to be a terrestrial ra- radio listener and hear ads all the time, then you'd be a passive listener. But if you want to be a podcast listener, you're a part of a community, you need to step up and support that which you like, whether it's us or someone else. If you love a podcast, support that podcast. That sounds great. Sounds like a great way to help out. Indeed. So check it out. Dropped Among This Crowd on Patreon.
I tell you, Carl, there's a lot of people out there who have either band or, or they have a business or they're an artist and then, you know, they're looking to reach this music-loving, traveling music fan mm-hmm. kind of world, which can be elusive. Yes, they're dreamers. Yes, like-minded people. What better way than through Dropped Among This Crowd? If you want to, if you want to, if you have a podcast you want to create, mm-hmm. Sarah can provide a platform. She can, pl- she can provide um, promotion on social media. She can provide an engineer. Um, or if you want to advertise or if you have any big idea, particularly with the artists, mm-hmm. you want to email Sarah at DA atcmediacompany.com She can provide, again, a platform for your podcast, social media promotion. Uh, she can even provide an engineer. Because, folks, you know, you want to reach fellow Humphreys fans or jam fans or music industry people or musicians or just people who love music and travel for it or, as in the case of Stu on this, mm-hmm. foodies. Mm-hmm. Music-loving foodies. That's right. And if y'all need any help with recipes, you need to get a hold of me. Yeah, you need to get Carl directly. But if you want stuff with promotion and social media savvy and a podcast platform, you want to email Sarah at DATCmediacompany.com. Sarah at DATCmediacompany.com. Correct. You want to know how to peel and cut an onion? You talk to me. That's Carl. You want to put out a podcast? You want to put out some material, some artistic expressions that that you want to get paid for, you contact Sarah J. And if you have old cassettes that you don't know what to do with, you send them to me, Rob Turner. <laughs> so here is my conversation with Chief Technology Officer for Umphreys McGee, Adam Scheinberg. I'm really excited that you're going to be on the show. I know the fans are going to be excited to hear from you and your behind the scenes work. I don't think very many people know who you are. So why don't you start by talking a little bit about yourself and your family, your day job, stuff like that. Okay. So um, obviously my name is Adam Schottenberg. I am involved with a number of bands, websites and technical bits and bobs. Um, but that is all sort of a hobby for me. Um, I'm an executive by day. I work for one of the largest pest control companies in the United States. And um, I am the vice president of IT, so I oversee all the technical operations. In that role, I'm also really involved in my community. I'm the chair of a, a local theater. I was the prior chair of our uh, the other Orlando Tech Council. So I'm involved in the tech community here um, and something that I'm sure a number of your listeners will be at least aware of. I'm currently the president of the Mockingbird Foundation, which is a nonprofit that's composed uh, uh, of fish fans. So we raise money for music and arts education. So I have a pretty busy schedule. And uh, of course, alongside that, I'm the uh, recently we started using Chief Technology Officer for Humphreys McGee because we thought all things web was a little inside baseball for most people. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's kind of an overview. I, I'm My wife and I have been married for like 17 years and um, my kids are 15 and 12. They are expert concert goers. And so we take them to see as much live music as possible, which is not as much as you'd think in Orlando. <laughs> Uh, but still, we are a, a very big fam- a musical family. Nice, nice. So when were you first introduced to Umphreys? 
So in order to tell you that story, I have to tell you another side story. Uh, okay. I, I first got involved with my first contributions to fish.net in like the mid nineties. Um, and I wrote the first code that went onto fish.net in like the year, maybe 2000, 2001. And in 2008, I reached out to uh, Ellis Goddard and Charlie Dirksen, some old school fish fans who um, are pretty active on Twitter. And I said, I'd really like to rewrite part of the site that's sort of in disrepair. And once I proved that I was actually going to follow through, they sort of said, why don't you rewrite as much of it as you'd like? And that became like a huge thousands of hours project to rewrite all of fish.net before fish had announced that they were even coming back. Um, so I, I did, and the site went live and it was, you know, obviously there was a huge influx of traffic when fish announced they were coming back. So I sort of had a little bit of street cred in this area. One of the, uh, I'll say advisors for fish.net was a guy named Sid Schwartz. And Sid is sometimes referred to as the consigliere for Humphreys McGee. He was instrumental, I think it's fair to say, in their early days of helping them navigate some of the uh, perils of the music biz. And um, right around the time of the first Umble, he connected me with Kevin Browning and said, uh, Umphreys would really like to write a website that's specific for this event. And I really didn't know much about the band. I guess I had heard them a few times because it was another, you know, big named band around the same genre, around the same time. And so I wrote the website for the first Humble site, uh, the first Humble, I don't know, event. Um, and when I started doing that, I felt, I figured it was the right time to be listening to the band while I was writing that. And I got really into them. And so the first show that I saw was um, at the Hangout Festival in 2011, which was on the beach in about 150 degree Fahrenheit weather. Um, <laughs> but immediately I knew, oh my gosh, I definitely want to work with these guys more. And they were interested in pursuing some further development. And uh, that really kicked off at Hauntlanta, which was Halloween 2011. I flew up there. Uh, I spent some time with the band and management, and I had a great time. Those shows are just out of this world good. And um, that was sort of the birth of the relationship between us. And it's a great relationship because, truthfully, um, I can provide them something. And what I really want is like, access and to be part of the group you know and it's it's sort of a, a win-win for both of us for sure for sure so what is your current show count then i'm currently at 55 shows i'll do another five over the next uh 90 days or so uh, but you know i live in florida so every show is a uh is a plane ride yeah um, yeah it's tough tough to get that count up for sure. So what are some of your favorite places to see Umphreys play then? I feel like uh, I don't want to be cliche, but it's really hard to top Harpa in Iceland. Yes. Um, yeah. That room just sounded amazing. And just the nature of being so remote, which meant that like 
everybody there was in this adventure together. That's that's an experience that's hard to top by any venue. I'll say that I want to say Red Rocks as well, just because it's such a cool place to see a show. But truthfully, the best venue for me uh, has only been played one time and probably will only be played one time. It, it's a, a venue called the Plaza Live that's here in Orlando. It's really close to my house. And anytime I get to see one of my favorite bands and then like literally say goodnight and be at my house within yeah. 15 minutes is yeah. a huge win. Yeah. I will also give you a fun little piece of trivia, which is if you've ever seen the logo for uh, headphones and snow cones, it's kind of this like uh, rainbow with like, you know, the 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 finger, the rock fingers. Um, that photo was taken at the plaza of me by Matt Heller um, during a little America the Beautiful sort of uh, section that was performed. It was taken on like an iPhone 4S and it was totally impromptu. We didn't know what was happening. And he just was like, hey, let me get that photo of the silhouette again. And uh, it's 2022 and we still use that uh, that branding. So that's, that's really so cool, cool. Too, to see like photos of my head and stickers <laughs> of my head. <laughs> that's so cool. So what are maybe some bucket places that you would love to see them? Uh, well. I've seen the band someplace hot. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen the band someplace cold. I I would love to do another destination show. Truthfully, I wish that I could have done Salmon Fest. Yeah. Uh, because I have I've been to 48 states, but I've never been to Alaska. And I think it'd be really cool to see Humphreys someplace that I could actually like get off a plane and realistically get to. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm still kind of hopeful that that happens again. Yeah. I would also love to see them in Hawaii if uh, if anyone's listening and trying to book the next door. <laughs> There's I a lot of people great. that want to see them in Hawaii. So maybe we need to get a nice petition going and get everybody That's right. like, come on, guys, <laughs> let's go to Hawaii. It would not hurt at all to see Umphreys in Hawaii. <laughs> they've, they've got plenty of practice performing on islands. So I feel like it might be time. Yeah. <laughs> and I think they've got three states that they still need to cross off the list and Hawaii is one of them. So that's right. I think isn't Wyoming one of them. It's Wyoming, South Dakota and Hawaii. So, I mean, no diss to Wyoming and and South Dakota at all. I'm sure there's some very nice cities in those states, but I'm sure anybody living there, if they had to choose between Wyoming, Wyoming and Hawaii, they would probably also still pick Hawaii. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm good with any of them, but I've been to both of those states and uh, I would love to go to Hawaii. So yeah. I would lean that way. That would be my vote. <laughs> um, so share a way that Umphreys has inspired you in your personal life. I could name a few different ones. I'll, I'll touch on two, I would say. Um, Umphreys is the first band that I've ever been into. Uh, and I mean, I go through phases where I get really deep into uh, specific bands, but they're the first band I've ever really been into that are really a product of my generation. And so, so much of their style is shaped by the same music that shaped my musical style. So instead of really having to meet the band somewhere else, right? And, and when when an interesting cover comes up, um, 
a band like Fish, for example, might play a song like Garden Party and I'll think it's fun and then I'll have to go listen to Garden Party and I'll always have the Fish original version in my head before I hear the actual source material. But Umphreys will play um, songs that I feel are kind of ripped from my repertoire, my catalog. And it feels, uh, I mean, not to be cheesy, but it kind of feels like home for me. And when they're going to areas and playing songs that I don't really know, it feels like a natural progression. So I feel like it, it really has helped my musical journey sort of center and expand a little bit without ever getting into areas that feel a little too far out there. Um, but in another less sort of dramatic way, um, the original project that I sort of mentioned before was writing the first version of All Things Humphreys. And I had written fish.net, which is very similar, but they are completely different bases of code. And eventually I had a whole bunch of bands approach me and say, would you do this? Would you do this? And it feels weird to say, well, I built something for them, but I'm going to sell it to you as well, mm -hmm. right? Or give it to you as well, even though someone else potentially paid for it. So I decided that as all things was getting a little long in the tooth, it was time to write one more and this one was gonna be different. And so I wrote this platform, which I call Songfish. And I built it up to the point that it was even more powerful than all things. And I, I literally shifted all things over to this Songfish platform. And Songfish is now in use by a whole bunch of bands. And it's awesome because uh, everybody sort of enjoys the benefit of it across the board. And it allows us to give that custom set list site experience to um, plenty of bands, including smaller bands that may not have the resources to provide something so encyclopedic and thorough. So uh, both of those are really, you know, due to Umphreys. Well, I will personally say that I am very, very grateful for all things Umphreys. It's like, a, it's a website that's permanently open on my computer. I mean, it certainly makes my job much easier with the show and, and the magazine and everything that I do. It, it makes, you know, having those things at my fingertips much easier and having the ability to put your shows in there and have your stats and, and know what songs you saw or how many times you've seen them at this venue or it's just a much cooler way to really nerd out on all of this stuff. And this fan base just loves that anyway. So tell me some more about all things Umphreys. Go into the detail of, of how that idea was, was hatched. Did you bring that to the band or did the band say to you, you know, like, this is something that we want to have just all of this information loaded in here and tell me how you keep that updated. Like after a show, is that all you? Do they send you notes? Just dive all into All Things Umphreys. So All Things Umphreys is intended to be literally all things, all the data, as much as we can possibly give you in a way that makes sense um, to kind of feed into that obsession. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that like other bands that are sort of cousins of Humphreys, but 
unlike almost every other major band, there is a small but extremely rabid portion of the fan base that consumes a disproportionately large amount, right? So it's not all Umphreys fans, but there are there's a subset that knows far more that feeds off of that sort of obsessive knowledge about the gap, but you know how long it's been since such and such was performed or exactly how many venues or how many states they've not played in, right? The kind of thing where um, where somebody says, what's your favorite version of Jajunk? And you know dates off the top of your head. That portion of the fan base is yeah. largely who we're catering to. But we also want it to be accessible so that if you're just a fan who has only you know heard of the band or only seen them a few times, that it doesn't sort of elbow you out of participation as well. So the idea is if you've seen Humphreys, we're going to give you the set list and we're going to give you as much detail about that show as we possibly can. And if you're interested in a little more, there is the ability to leave a review, but there's also the ability to dig in and see what was the most commonly played song that was played that night and which one was the least commonly played. And in fact, when was it last played? And if you really want to go down the rabbit hole, you can create as many groups of shows as you'd like and find the commonalities and run all kinds of statistics on them. How does it actually work behind the scenes? Um, I almost never touch the actual shows themselves. That is all Jeremy Welsh. Um, and periodically, um, Scott Marks, who um, is also big in fish.net. Um, and both of them are highly committed to making sure that we are um, like the Bible for what actually occurred. So the goal is to record as much information as possible and be able to present it to you and give it to you with as much detail as possible. I'll also say Humphreys is the biggest pain in my ass when it comes to actually hosting <laughs> this particular thing. Because not many bands have done 2,500 plus shows <laughs> with a thousand plus songs. <laughs> and it's often I write something and then I'm like, well, this doesn't work for Umphreys. Back to the drawing board to figure out how it can work. Yeah, they certainly so. keep keep us busy for sure. I feel the same way with reviewing the shows and and trying to keep up on the happenings to pass it along to fans and stuff. I'm just like, they keep us busy for sure. So just to kind of cap that off, um, I can tell you for a fact that members of the band use the site. I can also tell you for a fact, some of them, not only do they not use the, use the site, I'm not even 100% sure if they know it exists. Uh, <laughs> um, which should not be a surprise to those paying attention. Uh, that said, they know that it's a resource. So it's a good way for them to be able to say things like, for example, how do I go to a city or a venue that we haven't played for a while and make sure that a casual fan in this area is seeing something different than last time? And personally, I think that's something to brag about. I think the fact that an artist cares enough to say, not everybody is doing a drive down the East Coast to see 27 shows. Right. How do I make sure that somebody who only comes to shows in and around Baltimore is getting some sort of variety as well? Yeah. And uh, I think that that's a testament to people really wanting to to please their fan base. I agree. I agree. And it's cool to hear that they use. It. I mean, how could you not? It's such a cool resource. And there's no way you can remember all the things that you've played with 
the amount of shows that they play. So I think that's I have, says something uh, about I, what you've created too. Uh, I've definitely written tools for bands that are not accessible for fans. Um, and I joke, but there is a touch of seriousness that um, I would love if the site could automatically write a set list for the band better than the band could write a set list without <laughs> the site. <laughs> Uh, like a randomizer and they would have to play it that could be something cool in the future you could do i i they would hate me <laughs> the, the fact that it would have no idea what song ends on what key how are you gonna find your way from that key to that key <laughs> make them work for it that's right that's right this is it the can't be harder all than, the work it can't be harder do. than ross sewage exactly well they get the unfair advantage of you know yeah. preparation with that so <laughs> that's right so this is a hard question for some people to answer but what are your top favorite top five favorite on free songs yeah i mean it is a hard question because honestly the answer probably changes daily yeah for um, sure <laughs> i feel like there are some songs that are routinely on my list i would always put um august and wappy at the top yeah. Um, I don't know if we were talking about this during this podcast or, or prior, but there are certain songs that I feel if I had to guess which ones are going to lead to jams and improv that I think are going to really connect with me, there are some songs that are better suited to launch that than others. Yeah, for sure. Um, that said, uh, sometimes I don't want improv. I'm really, really into the song Triangle Tear. Um, I think that's a really complex song and I think it gets overlooked uh, even though time. it's really cool. Um, sometimes I like songs like Mad Love, which is a pretty simple song structure, mm -hmm. um, but it's got really good melody. Um, I think songs like Puppet String and The Floor are like just classic Umphreys that have like that like metal riff in the middle that just really is like, almost a headbanging type riff it's almost therapeutic those songs I feel like those songs I like when you just need to get it out yeah <laughs> you know? yeah yep um in fact during one of my first Dumfries show shows uh Kevin said to me during the floor he was like this is just like a classic Umphreys riff and when I hear it now I think to myself like yeah it is and Puppet String is like right there with it yeah um, and then I'll just throw a few more out. I, I'm really into New Wings off of yeah. uh, Asking for a Friend. Um, I like words. I like Miami Virtue. There are a few songs that sometimes to me are like, they're overshadowed by more commonly played and maybe more revered songs on similar albums, but are just so good. Um, so yeah, that's that's a touch. Ask me tomorrow, the list will change. And it'll be totally different. <laughs> All right. <laughs> August will still be on that list. That's yeah, that's my favorite song. So August will always uh, be on that list for me too. Yeah. I feel the same way about Wappy, but Junk is is definitely one up there for me. That just I don't think I'll ever get sick of hearing that song live. I get it. It's so complex it. and amazing, and just if they would travel back in time to like Renaissance era, and you know that would be something we would hear. <laughs> I, I i'm confident that could be tracked out for like an orchestra i would <laughs> that piano love. part would be like on the strings going. yes nuts. that would be incredible they need to do that like 
bands when they get older like do that like Metallica did that and you know like my mom loves the Moody Blues and the Moody Blues did that and played with an orchestra and so I think I think that this yeah. needs to happen so another petition that needs right. to be started that's right orchestral <laughs> album <laughs> I'm here for it so <laughs> what is something that you love about being a part of the Umphreys community the, the Umphreys community in general is so tight-knit and supportive, not just of one another, but of the band. They really give the band a lot of license to try different things and uh, to take chances and do different things live for them. Um, and I think the evidence of that is if you look at their last few albums, um, you know, the band is trying to evolve and make what I believe is a more complete album. Um, some of that is like strip away some of those layers, you know, strip away some of that complexity and see what we can do. And I, that is probably just something that happens as musicians get not just older, but get better at what they do. They, they say to themselves, like, can we get the same bang for the buck with a lot less work? That doesn't mean you're not still going to have shredding Jake solos and you're still not going to have like insanity on the drums and percussion happening at the same time. But, um, but I think what we're seeing is like a more complete band. And I, I think that's in large part due to the fact that, that fans continue to show up. Um, and another thing that I should mention is I think the relationship that Humphreys has with its fans, that, that interactivity, the fact that the band themselves are so easy to access as a fan. You can get into, you know, um, VIP, small concerts that, you know, is you and 20 people. You can interact with several of them on Twitter and Instagram. I mean, these are approachable people who have very little ego. Um, I think you know what I mean. I mean, ask, ask Jake about some song from the mid eighties and you're going to get a legitimate heartfelt yep. 25 minute answer. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yep. Uh, these, these are just, you know, people that I feel could be like peers and they're, they're great people. And they, that, that is something that I think fans sense. And that's pretty unique. hundred percent. And, and their support. I mean, and I've seen that with all of the things that, that I've done and created with, uh, the media company is, you know, they're all so very supportive of everything that I've done and so very willing anytime that I've asked, um, you know, Brian, you want to do these football picks every week or Joel, do you want to do these mini series? And, you know, I've this past year at summer camp, I had photo passes my first time doing pictures at a concert. And I asked if I could be up in the pit um, in the red barn and the guy's like well we don't usually like let people up here and so I don't know and Ryan comes out and he goes no she's good you can totally let her up there and it was you know it was just like yeah. it just felt really great and then he's like you know how hey how's the kids and you know and and like you and I were talking before you know my daughter with Joel and taking the lessons and all that and and I've personally been going through a lot of major life transitions right now and you know, Bayless will reach out to me and she'll be like, Every, everything going okay with you? You doing all right? You and the kids doing good? And 
And so just to have that, like you said, is they're more like peers than rock stars, you know? Yeah. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. It it does. It makes me love them just that much more because you don't have that snobby asshole rock star thing when you try to approach them after a show or something. I mean, they could just be so tired from playing like a show like Umbol and they see a fan yeah. and they will still stop for a picture and be like, oh, hey, I, I remember you. And the fact that they like remember people is so amazing to me because people will come up to me and I'm like, uh yeah great to see you again and I can't remember I'm so bad with names sometimes but they legitimately do and you're like wow you know that really makes people feel special so I agree I think it really does well that's the first thing when you did this podcast and cooking you're like well let's cook let's pick something from the woods woods and make a meal out of it that was your first thing join us as we talk about food and music let you all do songs you know that's just the way i am i like that instinct i'm always like that i'm like i don't want to play the old shit i want to play you know new 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 politics and conspiracies the guys don't say complete demolition because they were unsafe which sounds like bullshit it sounds like bullshit it's just like 9-11 right and the wild world of sports but there was one like i'm with des bryant he got screwed in the postseason because they said he didn't finish he made a catch he turned his body stepped over Check out our new podcast called Stew on This. Tune us in and see what's cooking. Hey, this is Rob Turner. I hope you're enjoying this podcast on the Dropped Among This Crowd Media Network. But my friend Jimmy Knowledge and I also have a podcast on this network that we'd like you to listen to, don't we, Jimmy? It's called the Umphreys Wow Show. What we're doing, at least in this season, it uh, we're perfectly willing to let the podcast evolve over the course of time. But season one, we're going through various old school Humphreys McGee songs and exploring them with comments from the band and from the listeners. Generally, we have a side A that's more of a general overview. And then we have a side B where Jimmy Knowledge signs even more than usual. Right, Jimmy? Tell them about side B. Side B is for the curious the folks that have their scuba gear on and are diving deeper into the improv world and and uh, a lot of the the gooey goodness that happens in in each of these songs they they all have a unique personality and we explore that the best versions of the song the the uh traces of where the song came from and the songs that came from improvisation out of these songs and then we have the metal round with a guest from the Umphreys world. And they each, Jimmy, myself, and the guest pick their top three versions of said song. And then you, the listener, vote on them. And there is some waxing poetic. Not too much. Well, maybe sometimes too much. But we appreciate if you give us a chance and listen. It's the Umphreys Wow Show on Dropped Among This Crowd Media. Thank you, Sarah. So if you could choose a cover for Umphreys to do that they haven't done yet, what would you pick? I um, I have to say that I'm really pissed that I missed them doing Wish by Nine Inch Nails. Oh, um, yeah. I thought that was such an awesome song, and I feel like that was a one-timer, but, man, uh, that would have been awesome. I 
sometimes think about this. And, and one of the things I shared with you before is I'm not particularly, uh, I'm not particularly insistent about Humphrey's set list. To me, it's like they'll choose what they want to choose. And I feel like they're always going to give a hundred percent in their performance. And, um, that said, I feel like they could crush the song Rocket Queen by Guns N' Roses. And I know Ooh. that that's like from an era that they really do. It's got a really like fun rock front half and then like a, a very melodic back half. Um, they've obviously played some Tool before, but I would love to hear Schism. Yeah. Uh, I think they could do some fun stuff with that. That feels like a very umbole type special thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd also like them to bring back Chicago. And so there's a lot of things on my will never happen list. <laughs> It'll never happen. Maybe if you do like a private party and you throw enough money, then yeah, it might happen. <laughs> Oddly enough, I, I have seen the band play that song at a private party. Uh, the one and only time that it was performed uh, on uh, August, uh, April 26th of probably 2012. Um, I think it was April 26, 2012. And yeah, I uh, I still love that song. What a no what apologies a, made. Not no, none needed. <laughs> I think that's like a really awesome like stat to have that there's there's some people that have that one, but not many. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a uh I have a lot of weird stats because um you know, I don't get a chance to go to as many shows as I'd really like. So there are times that I've seen songs performed in uh, sound checks, sometimes multiple times that I've never seen in a show. And so my set list stats get funky because it's like, well, I have seen other songs, just not in something that the, you know, that really right. counts. Right, right. <laughs> Can I count this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you should be able to, though. Like, I don't know. My feeling is stats exist in people's heads anyway. So yeah, say whatever you want. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever makes you feel good. (laughs) That's right. So what um, would be a favorite moment in Umphrey's history? Um, Well, I'm sure I have quite a few of them. Uh, Humble 4 had like an all request set that was just filled with a lot of nuggets like um, Metallica, Orion and Porch and the Cantina Jam and the the, like blob on Abbey Road, which is just like one of my favorite musical passages of all time. Yeah. But, but I have a really good one for this. I have a really good answer. So, um, so it must've been that same time. It must've been April, 2011. Uh, there was this private party, then there was Humble. And then the next night, there was a um, a small show at a club called Martyrs. And uh, that was the uh, Bill Graham for a day yeah. uh, party. And so uh, at some point during like pre-show, I was kind of hanging out backstage with the band and I was sitting with Jake and I said, hey, you know, there's this, there's this stew that I've heard more than once. And um, if you're playing along at home, it was from uh, December 30th, 2011 plunger. And I was like, I really, I really love this thing. And, you know, there was even an opportunity to like 
buy a name for a stew and I almost did it. And you know, like, I really love this thing and I don't really know how to describe it, but I'm like humming it for him. And he's like trying to figure it out. And he's like, oh, I know what you're talking about. And he played it for me. And I was like, yes, that's totally it. And then that one. we walk out, we walk out for the show and he freaking plays it on the stage. Right. And so like, I'm still pretty new to the band. I don't really have a rapport with them at this point. And I like, and I've been a fish fan for a long time. And so this is the first experience where it's like, I literally just influenced the set list of this show, like almost in real time. This damn happened because I said something backstage. Oh and my God. What, what a, like, what a cool experience. I immediately like called my wife. I'm like, you're never going to believe this. I have goosebumps so, from you telling that. That's an amazing story. <laughs> really, really like one of those moments that makes you feel connected to the experience, you know? Big time. So very, very cool. Wow. That, I don't think anything can top that. That's <laughs> that's pretty incredible. And side note, I've been listening to all of the Umbles to prepare for this year and I'm, almost done with umble four and i think that it's probably my favorite umble like it's okay just, it's just so good from beginning to end and of course you know the whole forrest gump thing is just classic right. so <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun that was a lot of fun yeah i remember i think that's either that one or the one before but that one i really have a really good memory of like watching from home so that's like cool to come back to it like oh wow this is so long ago <laughs> yeah but it's great if nobody's yeah, listened I, to Umble 4 front to back you need to do it because it's really good Umble 4 is fantastic and there's um there are a couple of those songs from the uh um from the raw stewage bit that sort of made it into the uh regular rotation that you'd still recognize yeah yeah, for sure. So while we're talking about Umble, you, sir, have a very important job that, I mean, very few people know. I didn't know until very recently. So please talk about your contribution to making Umble happen. So Umble, as well as things like Hall of Fame, as well as things like all request shows or any of those special events, every one of those has run through something that I've built. And I have been sort of the unofficial keeper of the votes for all of these events. Um, so I am the one who not only uh, writes the site, but combs through the votes for uh, any inappropriate behavior, does all the summations, reviews all of the uh, custom write-in stuff and then provides that information, you know, Oscar style uh, to the <laughs> band to work with. Uh, there's a lot of thought that goes into this stuff. Um, how we categorize them, for example, whether we present things in a random order or in a specific order. Um, I think we put a lot of thought into how we make things fair and how we get the best feedback from the fans to put on the best rock show that can be put on. So, um, yeah, so this particular umble, I think we had three separate rounds of voting. Uh, first, we voted on which sets fans preferred. Uh, then we voted on raw stewage. And finally, voted on which 
album the uh, fans would like to see front to back in its entirety. So what has been something that over the years is that has really surprised you with the way that the fans vote? Well, um, I'm, I'm not sure that I could definitely say that a lot of things surprise me about the way fans vote. I think at the risk of sounding like a jerk, which I don't mean to do, in en masse, people tend to vote in ways that I think are often sort of predictable. Um, but one of the things that I always think is interesting is when people do write-ins on these sites. Um, I mean, write-in votes, to be honest with you, there's just like, it's impossible to collect enough write-ins for it to really compete. But those write-ins do go on our lists and we use them in future years to say, did we miss something? You know, if three separate people, just three, write the same thing in, that's worth noting. And we do look for things like somebody who writes in the same thing multiple times and stuff. But truthfully, it comes down to, um, are we missing something? What do, what, what do fans want to hear? We'll, we'll go through that kind of stuff. Um, obviously, raw sewage, when we vote on that, it never goes the way I think it's going to go. I listen to them. I'm convinced that I've chosen the best six or the best eight or whatever. And then I vote and might always come in in like the last five. <laughs> but uh, but um, I will tell you that the sets this year were exactly what I think I and everybody else expected them to be. In fact, if people had not voted for raw stewage, I would have had to hang my Humphreys hat up and yeah. been like, forget it. Yeah. I said to to Kevin about this, it, it was one of those situations and, and you can appreciate this being a parent where you give your kids two choices, but like you've already made the decision and you're like, hopefully they pick the right one. It was kind of like that, you know, like we all knew that they want raw stewage too. Like we knew it. Right. So right. Well, <laughs> I'm really when, when glad we all got choose, it right. When fans have to choose which album they want to hear in its entirety. Uh, I guess I've just reached kind of jaded vet status with all bands, whether I'm a vet or not. To me, it's like, it doesn't matter. You're going to get to see something cool, right? Yeah. And isn't that what we want is something notable to happen at a show, something that makes us feel like I'm really happy I was there and they put on a good show for me. And it doesn't matter what album it is. It's going to be cool to see an album performed in its entirety. And yeah, that's how I feel too. It's, it's very cool. I've seen only one in person when they did uh anchor drops at summer camp um and then i got to watch via facetime back in january i wound up getting covid um like two days before they canceled that buffalo show because we had gotten a bunch of snow and then i got covid like it all happened within an hour and I'm like, okay, well, that works out. I wasn't going to be able to go to the show anyways. So the next day they were in Syracuse doing their birthday show. And I was super bummed that I couldn't be there. So Robbie FaceTimed me and had his phone up on the side so that I could still witness local band does okay. But you know. see, isn't that a cool thing to have had happen? It is. See, stuff like that. Like there's no other band I feel like you know, he found out that I had COVID and I was really bummed about not being able to be there. And so he was like, you know, 
let's get you on FaceTime and, and you can watch. And I was just like, you guys are so great. I'm like, this you, is why I do what I do. Screw in the business. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. So talking about Hall of Fame, when the fans vote, like, how does that process happen? Because there's been some people that have said as the years have gone on that the band has taken less consideration in what's voted for, because a lot of people I'm assuming um, have a very personal aspect to hall of fame voting, probably more than any other kind of voting thing that happens, you know, I was there. And so they're going to have the attendance bias. Um, So is that true? Has the band taken less consideration into what the fans vote for? Um, Because a lot of times, you know, maybe a song from a random Wednesday somewhere that was particularly fire might not get as many votes because, you know, it's not a New Year's show or a whatever show. So I'm curious how much do they really take, especially with the Hall of Fame consideration of the fans? So I, I'm going to give you a very uh, frank peek behind the curtain here. To my knowledge, there has never been a time where we have adjusted the votes to make it be the album that they want Um, with the following little asterisks if the album is at x length and the next song is a 26 minute jam and that's just not feasible to press on vinyl or whatever there is a possibility that uh, producers may make a call that they go with the song after that Um, okay i see that as sort of like you can't get it perfect. There has to be a little bit of artistic license to be able to do what Hall of Fame is actually supposed to do. And I just kind of want to hit on this. Hall of Fame is supposed to make it feel like all of the best jams are all strung together on a single show. And, you know, they go to great lengths to kind of like merge the audience sound and stuff. It doesn't sound like you snapped a bunch of random tracks together. It should feel like one experience. Mm -hmm. So I think there is some attention paid to how do we create that experience of it being like one show and if that means that we took number eight and number 10 and skipped over nine maybe that's happened um off the top of my head i can't i couldn't tell you um i don't recall but maybe um but that said nobody is choosing i just want to play uh I just really like the song Triangle Tears. So I'm jamming it into this song. No, it doesn't work that way. And I can't even imagine why somebody would think that the whole purpose of this is that we solicit what fans <laughs> want to hear, not what the band wants to put out, or they would just put out a live album. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. That's why I'm like, you know what? I have the perfect person to ask this question to. I'm asking. <laughs> that said, um, it is... We are approaching the season, so I would brush up on your 2021 Humphreys if I were you. Yeah, I. it's nice because as I've done this more and more and more, um, I now have like my highlights, you know, for the whole year. And then I've started a Hall of Fame contenders list. And so like, oh, now <laughs> I've moved them to another spot and I'm like, okay, this is going to make it so much easier when the time comes because there's so much pressure to get it right <laughs> well we've got it we've got to vote on 2021 before we get to 2022 and i know you've got your 22 contenders list yeah um and i have heard your podcast so 
you're going to have to do some shaving to get that list down to a votable amount. I do only have 10 on my okay. 2022. Uh, my current highlights for the whole year, though, is at like 263. I will admit okay. that's that's a, that's a large chunk of highlights this year, but the band played really well this year. And I always bring this up on my show, too, is that I feel that, for example, from Detroit, the Mantis, Draconian Mantis, I feel like because, and this doesn't always happen with songs like that. Sometimes it's only the first half of it or the middle or whatever. It's not the whole thing. So this isn't every instance, but particularly something like that. I think that that should be one vote because it needs to be a whole story because it is. But when we vote, it's three. And now I've lost space for some other songs. So yeah. <laughs> how do we change this? Yeah. How do we how do we make that something where we can vote for for something like that? And again, it doesn't always happen. You know, there's times where it would just be like, I'm just going to vote for the front half of this mantis or, you know, just the middle. But something like that, I feel, is a whole story and needs to be put out there like in, that. In, in this case i would tell you that there are technical challenges to being able to know what is like a full sandwich yeah um and there are calls that producers make that have nothing to do with me whatsoever okay. um so if, if mantis won maybe they would just include the entire thing um but for every mantis draconian mantis there's ocean billy 16 songs end of ocean billy right. or there's 1348 15 <laughs> songs end of 1348 so you can't always take the whole sandwich so programmatically it's difficult to know what constitutes like one effort and i feel like your best bet is to just vote for mantis yeah and if that wins then let the people who are going through which i imagine is probably kevin it's probably some of the band reviewing and deciding what that chunk is supposed to be right i think they'll know this is actually one piece of music not yeah. three songs yeah because i will say yeah. that on the show i'll be like i feel like you know because i'm definitely voting for that mantis sandwich from detroit it is my highlight from the whole year i was right on the rail too so it was in my face in person which made it even better and ben factor just blew my mind that night like all of it was just just one of those moments in time where it's just all amazing all around and so I've even gone as far to say that it's it could almost be the goat mantis it's, oh wow okay it, it's, it's good if you haven't listened to it listen to it it's I'll, it's, I'll re-listen to it for sure it's my favorite and I mean they've definitely given mantis the treatment this year for sure um but that's my favorite so it feels good to well, find I, I am not tell taking... somebody <laughs> it's always good to get it off your chest for sure i i am not taking anything away from that but there is definitely something about being there having the light experience having the like metaphysical experience of the presence and remembering how you felt in that moment that sort of curves jams that you were there for upwards yeah and uh um I get it. That doesn't mean that that wasn't a killer one, but I can understand yeah. bias when when what's happening in your head is a replay of the light show 
And it's yeah. like, look, it's remembering looking at your friends and being like, holy shit, is this really happening? Yeah, for sure. So. I remember like looking at everybody and being like, oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah. There is actually a YouTube video of that too. So, you know, if you want the whole visual effect of that moment, you can definitely check that out because all right it is it's it's a favorite so <laughs> i'm going out to get a vr headset and i'm locking in <laughs> <laughs> and i've told ben many times is i was never the light person i was never like oh this lighting guy is whatever and all this stuff but he's he's blows my mind all the time i'm just he's amazing yeah yeah he's great and it is it is interesting when a um, when a band like Umphreys changes up a core element of what the show is, it can it can be a, a risk, right? To yeah. to have to be compared to the person before and to have to establish an identity. You don't just want to do what was done before, and you want people to appreciate that and to appreciate the differences and not shit on the guy before or only like the new guy or only like the old guy so i feel like that was a a great move i didn't lose any of my appreciation and love for what jeff did on the lights and uh yeah now i feel great about seeing what ben does and it's so interesting he's so young and so there's still so much of his career ahead of him. And I love that he takes so much inspiration from tours and artists, artists that are outside of the genre of Umphreys and tours from, you know, ACDC 87 that he wasn't even alive for when it happened. Mm. But, you know, he's drawing inspiration from these all these different sources and I just love that so much too is that he's so young and hungry and right. he's just like yes right. let's do these things and the fact that they're so willing to listen to him and say yeah okay let's do it let's try it let's see what this does I and mean, then it's awesome the lights do in my opinion absolutely play a role in controlling the jam you know yeah. Um, yeah. the band follows the lights just like the lights follow the band yeah. So, you know, I, I do think of it like you have made a clean, uh, there's a clear line from Waffle to Ben and that honor is still there, but also we're in a new era and yeah. I can, I can like both at the same time, even though they're sort of, you know, antithetical. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. You can appreciate what each has done. And, you know, for me, like I mentioned before we started, that I'm also really into Mo. And when I started seeing Mo, Waffle was there. And then really when I started getting into Umphreys was 2007, 2008. And that's when he came over to Umphreys. So for me, a chunk, a huge chunk of my live music seeing time, I mean, besides being young and, you know, seeing all those kind of tours, but like it was all Waffle between those two bands. So now to to get a taste of of what Ben has, it's it's been really cool, and he's really piqued yeah. my interest on this in ways I never thought that I would be like, oh wow, those lights were phenomenal. <laughs> that was never it, me. <laughs> I mean, not that this is a lighting podcast, but you know the tech that goes behind what the lights are have, has changed over the last ten years, and that's given us new capabilities. And yeah. I think it's awesome to have somebody who's not afraid 
to embrace some of that and try new things. Um, uh, and again, to be clear, that's not setting up a comparison. It's just, it's great that, that there's somebody who's hungry and wants to do something really cool and then delivers. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's great. And he's just such a nice guy too. That totally helps. Like he's yeah. just so sweet every time I've seen him and he's been a guest on my show twice and you know, he's just, he's fun. Waffle has too. Yeah. Way back in the day, I interviewed Waffle. I did it at summer camp and that was a lot of fun to hear about his history too. So if anybody cool. wants to listen, check both those out. It's awesome. So yeah. All right. So I have one final question, question for you. Okay. This one's also a very difficult one for people. So I want you to describe Umphrey's in three words. Three words. Three so words. I feel like I feel like the uh, the obvious response that everyone's going to reach for is rage, rest, repeat. Yeah. Um, so I would never. Um, <laughs> I will tell you that I I struggle with like describe something in three words because I always feel like you're either going to sound silly or you're going to sound like you're trying to be profound <laughs> but failing. <laughs> um. So just kind of factually. What I like about Humphreys is it's kind of every flavor of music. So if I just, can I use a colon and say like music, every flavor. Sure. Punctuation <laughs> is very, have you seen like those memes where it's, it's free, like punctuation right? matters? <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. The punctuation exactly. is free. If we're yeah. playing Wheel of Fortune, you do not have to buy those. So yeah, you can, you can have one of those. <laughs> I've, I go to a lot of concerts. I see a lot of bands. And um, I feel like typically you go to a concert and you tend to see like a genre of music. Mm -hmm. Occasionally somebody will perform whatever pop and there's like one Latin song or one heavier song or something like that. But Umphreys is one of those bands where there's a lot of variety between what happens on stage. You're definitely going to get something heavy, but the next song might be Senor Mouse, you know, Chick Corea style. And I, there is like, you could be jumping all over the place. You might get something that feels like bluegrass and you might get something that feels like, uh, I don't know, it's played intention opener, you know, like it could, yep. could show up in lots of different ways. And so I think that keeps a concert interesting. Yeah. And, uh, and that's a big part of what I love. Make so, sure you're paying attention. That's right. That, <laughs> that, uh, those three words are patent pending. So I don't okay. see any merch coming out <laughs> without royalties. <laughs> well, this has been really awesome. Is there anything else that uh, you wanted to touch on that we didn't cover? I guess, I guess uh, the only thing I would add is I do, I really appreciate that Kevin likes to bounce ideas off of me and Vince periodically and, you know, there's a lot of uh, forward thinking that happens with Humphreys. And so I know that in this moment, we're sort of in a weird space with cryptocurrency and stuff. But I think the fact that the band is willing to do things like, let's play around with NFTs and how, how we're going to provide maybe some cool access. That's not for everybody. You know, nobody is under the impression that, that uh, every part of the Humphreys fan base is ready for every kind of thing that they want to try. But damn, is it cool to be able to take a band and say, let's come up with something different and cool. And maybe we'll be first to the thing 
that everyone's going to do. Or maybe this is just a moment in time and it doesn't work. You know, yeah. uh, everything from like golden ticket contests to uh, to like track your own stats, websites to NFT purchases to uh, the contest to identify as many songs as you can in photos that are across the page. To me, it's like, I love it. That is what keeps people rabid fans. That is what keeps people excited. That constant stream of new content, sharing stems of musical songs so people can just have fun remixing them on their own, even if it's five minutes of fun or hours or whatever. I love that. And that's why I continue to be a part of the organization and why I continue to be excited not just to see the band play, but also to be a part, uh, even if it's just a tiny part of what's happening behind the scenes. So For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I can and can say the same about the willingness to take on the the crazy idea that you're gonna be a part of for Umble, um, having DATC mm-hmm. Media do a analysis panel before each night of Umbowl and then during halftime and very excited that you're going to be a part of that. Um, and Kevin was just like, okay, yeah, let's yeah. give it a try. Let's see how this works logistically and, and go from there. And so it's, it's very exciting, a little nerve wracking, but I think it's going to be really cool and to give fans the extra coverage and way to just consume more content with this already awesome weekend is it's going to be cool so i'm very very excited and happy that you're going to be a part of it awesome well i'm i'm really um i'm really looking forward to it i uh i've seen several umbles but being able to be critical of it in the midst of it yeah is going to be a lot of fun um yeah you know i'm typically the type that I, I'm a firm believer in the 72 hour rule. Everything is poison. Your opinions <laughs> are always over curved in the positive. Um, yeah. And it's just such a fun event, but it will be, a, it'll be really cool to sort of reflect on it mid show. So For sure. For I'm sure. looking forward to it as well. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. All right. Well, this was really awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I'm, Super psyched that we're going to be chatting again in a couple of weeks. For sure. In person. In person. So everybody tune in. The band's already announced the official stream. So tune in a little bit beforehand and see us chatting about all things Umbowl with Josh from Umfreaks Anonymous. I'm very excited to have him on board too. So it's going to be a very cool thing. Very cool. Awesome. All right. We'll see you then. Well, that's everything I have for this week of the show. Thank you so much to Adam for taking the time to chat about all of the Umphreys things. I am very excited to be doing this Umble panel with you. It's going to be such a blast. There are a bunch of links in the show notes for anything Adam or I may have referenced throughout our chat, as well as my 2021 highlights list how you can support DATC Media on Patreon, where you can snag the Umble official stream, and so much more. So make sure you check all of that out. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll see you around these parts next week. Mad love.